0: Hi friends, Fred Harrell here. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly City Church Sermon Podcast. Just a note that as we continue to shelter in place here in San Francisco, we will be bringing you our Sunday Sermon audio recording via Skype over a Facebook Live broadcast. So if the audio quality seems like a little lower than normal, then now you know what's happening. We just wanted you to know. You can join us on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening and subscribing to our podcast.
1: The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John and the Acts of the Apostles. A reading from John, chapter 10. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And now a reading from Acts, chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord.
0: Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask now that you would meet us, that you would speak to us, that we would be receptive, that we would believe that you have something you want us to hear, to trust, to surrender to today. However we find ourselves at this moment, help us to believe that you have arranged this moment, that you see us in all of our beauty and all of our contradiction and your response is always to move towards us, to love, restore, and heal. And so give us grace now to know that this is the God who is with us at this moment, that we might trust you in this moment and be present to your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, this is the fourth Sunday of Tide. those weeks that follow the celebration of Easter. And it's often called Good Shepherd Sunday, because Jesus the Good Shepherd invites us um, into a life that he calls abundant, a life that is an entirely new way of being human, a, a way is, that is not dominated or defined by the ways and means of death. And all of that just sounds great. But right in the middle of this passage, you had this talk of a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, what is that about? Are you ready for some history? Raise your hand. Ready for some history? No? Well, too bad. Because I think Jesus is actually talking about some very specific people when he says this. He says in verse 8, all who came before me, who are those people? All who came before me are thieves and bandits and robbers, all who came before me. Who's he talking about? I believe Jesus is talking about other aspiring messiahs from the first century, from his time frame, that the original audience would all know about. Like if I say something like Watergate or 9-11 or Ferguson, you don't have to tell the whole story. It's already a part of the collective consciousness. So when you live under the boot of military occupation, as these folks in Jesus' audience were, Life is hell. People long for someone to liberate them. So there were lots of people who claimed to be a Messiah in Jesus' day who were going to lead Israel out of this oppression. So one of those people, for example, was named Enthranges the Shepherd. How many of you have ever heard of him? Yeah, not many, I'd suppose. But everybody in this original audience would have known him. Imagine them looking at each other When Jesus said he was the good shepherd, and them saying to each other, oh, I think he's talking about that other guy who claimed to be a Messiah who called himself the shepherd. Turns out he wasn't a very good shepherd, just a really bad one. He built himself a substantial following. His followers crowned him king of the Jews. He was famous for employing guerrilla tactics against the uh, occupying forces. Um, not only the Roman soldiers, but also the Herodian soldiers. Those are the soldiers that served King Herod. He was known for how many people he was able to kill among the Romans and the Herodian soldiers until he got himself killed as well and all of his followers. You could say he was a shepherd who came to kill because that's what he did. Then there was another one named Judas Bar Hezekiah. He laid claim to being a Messiah. And he was from Sepphoris, which is just four miles from Nazareth. I've been to I've actually been to Sepphoris. Ann Kinderman, uh, Don O'Neill, Sally O'Neill, Thomas Pena. We all went there together a few years ago. Sepphoris. It was a big city compared to Little Nazareth. It's believed that Jesus and his father Joseph would have been involved in helping construct the rebuild. Of that city as Herod's son selected it as the provincial capital for his government in Galilee. Jesus would have been a teenager. So think about that. While Jesus was a teenager, there is a Messiah claimant named Judas bar Hezekiah from the big city only four miles away. This person led an insurgency movement, but they had to fund their movement. They were known for stealing, for robbing Romans, But when they didn't get their coffers full enough, they turned to also robbing wealthy Jews and eventually just about everybody. You could say that Judas Bar-Ezekiah came to steal. Are you seeing the pattern here, steal, kill? All that's left is destroy. Well, there's an app for that. Well, not really. but There's a story for that. Then there was Simon of Perea. He's an interesting guy. He had been a slave in the palace of Herod, a Jewish slave. He escaped and began to amass a following, claiming to be the Messiah. And he was also crowned king of the Jews like all of them were. His biggest claim to fame was that he burned down Herod's palace in Jericho. The Romans caught him, chopped off his head. You could say he came to destroy. Some come to kill, some come to steal, some come to destroy. There are actually a couple that are actually mentioned in the book of Acts in chapter 5. For example, Theodos, he was a prophet who claimed to be the Messiah, claimed to be the new Joshua. He assembled 400 followers and told them that, if he, would divide the, he, would, that he would divide the Jordan River for them to walk across. We will never know if he had those magic powers because, well, you probably know the end of that story too. It's like the other ones. Right the Romans killed him. So all of this is talked about in first century historical literature. These are the messiahs who turned out to be nothing more than thieves, robbers, and killers. They tried to change the world by means of death and violence, by stealing, by robbing, by burning down palaces, by destroying things, by killing people. But in the end, they only led their followers into more death. In other words, They were bad shepherds. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. Okay, end of history lesson. There will be a quiz. So these false messiahs that Jesus calls thieves and robbers, they had one thing in common. They gathered their followers around the energy of hate. It's easy to see how attractive that is given their circumstances living under the boot of military occupation. They sought to use violence to bring what they thought was the reign of God. They used robbery. They used killing. They used destruction to further their agenda. Now, if you were a Roman, and you're hearing about palaces being burned and people being killed, you would call these false messiahs terrorists. They're burning down palaces. They're killing. They're robbing. On the other hand, if you were a Jew living in Jerusalem, you might call them freedom fighters. One person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter, it seems, but they both tapped into the power. They have both tapped into the power of hate and it always leads to more death and drawing a crowd with hate is pretty easy. But Jesus says the sheep and by this he means his sheep, did not listen to them. I mean, they all had followings. Some people listened to them. But the followers of Jesus will not be characterized thusly. There will always be people who believe in the way of hate, who follow false messiahs of hate then and now. But Jesus comes to give us a new way of being in the world because there must be a better way the way of love the way of forgiveness the way of mercy the way of grace jesus said the sheep hear his voice of the good shepherd those who tap into the energy of hate can create a lot of headlines so much so that you can get to thinking the world is just full of nothing but this kind of behavior But I'd argue there are always more sheep than you think. Sheep are quiet, sheep are gentle, they don't make as much noise, not as suited to grab headlines. The sheep hear the voice of the good shepherd and the good shepherd says, I know it's hard the way I call you to, but it's also the way that leads to life. Love your enemy because any other way is just recycling the hate, recycling the death. You're just going to end up following a false Messiah who comes only to divide and to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says the sheep hear his voice and he leads them into life, but it's not easy. Remember when Jesus taught about enemy love, he was talking about the brutal boot of the Roman empire a vicious military force that killed and crucified its enemies. You can hate that as a structure of evil. You can hate the structure of evil in the present day that fuels and funnels satanic hatred, violence, and oppression. But you must love those images of God even as you hate the structures of evil. If you're tapped into the energy of hate, You can't really hear what I'm saying right now. You won't won't have anything of it. But the sheep of Jesus do. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I call my sheep by name and I lead them out. The good shepherd calls you by name. See, a bad shepherd will always make you a number because you are a number, not a person the numbers tattooed on the arms of those in concentration camps comes to mind. And if people are a number, it's easy to scapegoat an entire group of people for your convenience and comfort. When people are just numbers, you can make an entire group of people disposable because after all, they are the elderly, for example. Numbers may be disposable, But people are not. Not in the peaceable kingdom of the good shepherd. You are called by name, and you are never a number. And he calls you out, it says. What does he call you out of? Well, it'll be different for each person because you're not just a mass of numbers. Without question, most of us, I would say, have felt trapped in fear. And Jesus says, Fred, Dan, Susan, come out of your fear. Some of you are trapped in anger. And Jesus says, Jennifer, Christopher, John, come out. Leave that behind. You don't need that wrath that raised that anger. Some of us are maybe secretly captured in some kind of hatred, the narratives of hate have captured your imagination, and Jesus wants to call you out of that kind of hatred. Maybe it's a xenophobic hatred, and Jesus calls you by name. Come on, come out of that. Some of us are trapped in our pain. Maybe that pain that was visited upon you at some point in your life. You didn't deserve it. You didn't cause it. And the Good Shepherd comes to call you by name and says, let's heal together. Let's come out of the pain. This was not your fault. I saw a therapist for 10 years, partly because I was trapped in the pain of early childhood sexual abuse. And the Good Shepherd met with me through my therapist and called me out of that pain into a larger story see you like my therapist can be a conduit of the good shepherd as you love and listen to one another without judgment but with empathy maybe the pandemic is your opportunity to do some of that inner work with a therapist as well to come out of your pain the sheep hear his voice And he calls them by name and he calls them out. What do you need to be called out of today? Fear? Anger? Hatred? Pain? Or any number of other things? That's the work of the Good Shepherd, to bring life. In Acts chapter 2, in the second reading, we see a picture of what the community of people following the Good Shepherd begins to look like. It says among other things that they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And what set them apart wasn't that they had easy community. This is not a gathering of people that are just like one another, same age, same interests, same everything, just reinforcing everyone's uh, biases. No, their community was a a sociological impossibility in its day, people from all sorts of backgrounds coming together around the risen Christ. It's the kind of community that no false Messiah then and now tapping into the energy of hate and division and heartlessness could ever create. Dr. Willie James Jennings, in his masterful commentary on the books on the book of Acts, said this. The deepest reality of life in the Spirit depicted in the book of Acts is that the disciples of Jesus rarely, if ever, go where they want to go or to whom they would want to go indeed the spirit seems to always be pressing the disciples to go to those to whom they would in fact strongly prefer never to share space or a meal and definitely not life together yet it is precisely this prodding to be boundary crossing and border transgressing that makes the presence of the spirit of god marks the presence of the spirit of god Acts is a story of a God who desires us and all of creation and will not release us to isolations, social, economic, cultural, religious, gendered, and geographic. See, this early community that we're seeing a picture of in Acts 2 was for each other. It said that they had generous hearts That is what we aspire to be today in the midst of the pandemic. Our church is for each other with generous hearts. It's happening. I am blown away at how this community continues to be for each other in all the ways we can be right now. You've heard about, and you're gonna hear more about in a minute, our Lifeline SF campaign. It's basically one manifestation of that. People who were able to give, people giving very generously because we are for each other. I'm frankly overwhelmed by the generous hearts of this community. One more thing Jesus also called himself the gate. He didn't think I was going to get to that, but I am. It's weird. A lot of metaphors here, this is packed with them. Makes me read it and go, which, which are, are you, the gate or are you the shepherd or are you both? The answer is yes, both. But what's the part about the gate about? Jesus is alluding to the, stone, to the round stone sheepfolds in the high pastures built with an open gap so the sheep could pass through it safely and the shepherd himself would lie down across the gap opening, becoming himself the door that kept them safe. It's telling, I expect, that we hear about no door which separates the sheep from Jesus, since he is the gate, the door itself. None of us needs to be throwing ourselves against the door to find entry. Jesus, the gate, and the gatekeeper, opens and closes the way for us, letting us in, letting us out, keeping us safe, and giving us all we need. And so I find myself wondering now just how my life would be different if I lived believing and trusting that that was all I really needed. Like a sheep who knows it needs its shepherd, and that's enough. Indeed, I wonder how it would be for you and for me to just lie down and rest in the presence of Jesus. That's what I need. I think it's what you need too. We're going to end today with a poetry of Malcolm Gate. He is an English poet, singer, songwriter, an Anglican priest, an academic. And so this is his poem. He's going to read it for us. I am the door of the sheepfold.
2: I am the door of the sheepfold. Not one that's gently hinged or deftly hung Not like the ones you planed at Joseph's place. Not like the well-oiled openings that swung so easily for Pilate's practiced pace. Not like the ones that closed in Mary's face from house to house in brimming Bethlehem. Not like the one that no man may assail the dreadful curtain, the forbidding veil that waits your breaking in Jerusalem. Not one you made... But one you have become, load-bearing, balancing, a weighted beam to bridge the gap, to bring us within reach of your high pasture, calling us by name. You lay your body down across the breach, yourself the door that opens into home.
0: Let us pray. Lord, help us to hear your voice. Give us ears to hear. Give us the ears of the sheep that hear the voice of the shepherd. You call us each one, but not in mass. You call each one by name, personally. Help us hear you, Jesus. Calling us out of our hate, our anger, our fear, our pain. Call us out. And as we follow you, Jesus, Lead us into life, little by little, until we can say that this isn't just life, it's abundant life. Now let us all together pray the prayer of St. Francis as it comes on your screen, himself a shepherd in his day. It's the prayer of the sheep who hear the voice of Jesus. Together, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life, amen.